Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. This week, I am thrilled to have a former black shirt on the podcast. Uh, one partner of a pretty sneakily under the radar no fly zone in Nebraska secondary in 2019, um, and a guy who will soon be an NFL cornerback. I'm joined by DiCaprio Boodle, black shirt captain, no doubt in my mind, an NFL contributor for years to come down the road. DiCaprio, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. Thank you for coming on this podcast. And I'm not. I'm not saying this just because you're here and you agreed to do this, but you have been one of the most entertaining players that I've covered and one of my favorite people that I've gotten to cover in the four years coming up on five seasons now that I've covered this football team. So thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. How has, uh, how has your schedule been since the season ended? Has it been wacky? Um, what you expected with COVID? What have you been up to? Um, I mean, since, since the season ended, I just been kind of going, I mean, I, Never had a chance to really take a breath and, you know, step back and take a breather. Um, I just kind of rolled, rolled back into training and, you know, um, coming up, getting ready for pro day right now. I've just been training for that ever since. So the minute the season ended, um, you know, I just kind of got my plans in order, figured out what I, what I was going to do. And then um, as, as soon as possible, I, I got back to work, got back to training. First started um, down in Miami when I went back home for – Christmas and I was just kind of working because um, I knew I knew eventually you know I was gonna have to get into some type of training program or something depending on you know where I wanted to go and all of that. Um, but I ended up just uh, deciding to come out to Phoenix at the Exos facility here in Arizona, and you know I just been been here ever since, just just going, just going and going. Probably sometimes six, seven days a week. Has draft stuff like really ramped up yet? Like, have you, do you get contacted by scouts? Do you do interviews this early or anything like that? Or is it a lot of individual workouts still? Um, a lot of, a lot of it is individual workouts, but, um, you know, uh, some days I'll, I'll get calls from teams, um, you know, having questions, asking kind of like a little interview process, uh, type of thing. But, um, right now I would say like, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's my focus because, you know, that's in front of me, but at the same time, like I, like mostly I've been focusing on, you know, really trying to put my all in the training so that way I could get the most out of pro day. And then I know after pro day, you know, it'll, it'll be able to come back around and, you know, come even more. So, you know, teams call and I take the calls and we, we talk from time to time, but um, the majority of it is really just me working, working out every day. Probably ramp up. Uh, the next couple months or so as we be closer. I've talked to guys about this before. I talked to guys in the last 
draft class in particular about this. Like, and I actually just talked to Josh Mitchell about it on my podcast. Like Nebraska guys get disrespected. And in a lot of instances, they get a little overlooked from a, from an individual evaluation standpoint, just because of what the team's win loss record has been in recent years. There's a, there's like a stigma about you guys, particularly defensively, just because of how things went for a stretch there. But you guys, your defense last year, it was significantly better than I think most outsiders expected it to be heading into the season. And it was significantly better than I think you guys still to this day, even get credit for in some circles. And you lost vets, you lost all three starters in the defensive line. You lost Lamar in the secondary. And yet you still, it seemed like you turned a corner. Why do you think that was? Um, no, I mean, like, like you said, uh, going back to the win loss record wasn't favorable at all. Um, and you know, bottom line is like winning is everything. I think, uh, that was just defensively our, our desire to win was just so high. We wanted to win so bad. And, you know, everybody just kind of kept each other accountable and, you know, um, Everybody wanted to do their job. And, you know, guys, guys weren't afraid to tell somebody, like, if I knew, um, if I knew so I needed somebody to get somewhere for me, I would tell them pre-snap, like, I need you to get here. And during the snap, they would do it. And if they didn't do it, then, you know, I would let them hear it. Um, you know, as well as, like, the whole defense just kept each other um, accountable in that way. So there, there weren't many times where we were against each other. We just were, like, one big happy unit. Um, loving on each other, you know, through the good times, through the bad times. Um, you know, I mean, ultimately, we, like I said, ultimately, we took a lot of losses, but, um, you know, we just had that desire to win, just just that desire to win the, the individual reps, and we were just um, the ultimate competitors. You guys are just hungry to be on the field, too. Like, we made so much in the media about how many snaps the defense was going to play just because of the way the offense ran. But, it, like, you guys just kept saying, like, no, we want to be on the field. We're just – we want to be on the field. Yeah, yeah, 100%. If, if it's coming down to it, a crunch time, you know, um, and, and the game's on the line, we, we want to be on the field. We want to be the ones to win the game. Uh, we don't want to have to put the offense back out there and, and have to make them win the game. You know, we, we want to win the game uh, for them, you know. Uh, I mean, we just, like, like going back to what I said, like we were just so competitive and just always wanted to be on the field, more opportunities, more plays, more opportunities. You guys, you, you seniors, you had the option of coming back for another year or moving on to prepare for the NFL. You obviously made the decision to start preparing for the league. Was that a, was that a difficult decision to make? Um, I mean, I think any time that, you know, um, you have to, you, you've been used to something for so long. I spent um, X amount of years in, in Nebraska. And I mean, you know, anytime you had to leave something that, you've been a part of for so long, it's, it's always going to sting a little bit, no matter what, no matter if it's, if it's good feelings or, or bad feelings uh, connected to it. But um, I think for me, it was just, it, it was that time, you know, um, I had done so much in my time in Nebraska, not to toot my own horn or anything, but, um, you know, I just felt like, you know, coming back um, for my fifth year and being a captain and, you know, leading the team, um, you know, not to say that, I don't know what what more I could do, but um, I just felt like I, I had filled filled my role at Nebraska. I filled my legacy, and that you know it was time for me to move on to bigger things. Um, you know, and I mean it, it was it was a hard decision. Like regardless, a, a lot of talks with God, just uh, trying to figure it out, and 
you know, I mean, regardless, if, if there was no COVID, I would have had to leave anyway. But, you know, being presented the opportunity, I mean, those are those are things that you have to think about, even if, you know, it's it's not likely that you do. It's still something that you have to think about. So, you know, I just prayed on it a lot and ultimately it led me to this decision. Hey, man, this is the time to toot your own horn. Don't be. Don't be afraid to toot your own horn. You're like you're you're in like job interview stage of your career right now. Like talk yourself up. Like 2018 or 2019 or whatever it was when you like led the the country in past deflections, past breakups. Um, teams like stopped throwing at you. Like when you say, I don't know what what more I could have done in Nebraska. Like I'm right there with you. Like teams were afraid to throw at you. So um, talk to me about Travis Fisher. This this is a guy that is viewed as one of the best recruiters on the staff. Mm-hmm. He's clearly one of the most important parts of the staff. When we interact with him in the media, if we ask a stupid question or if we try to get a little too cute, he's got no problem keeping it real with us. Um, he's kind of like a no bullshit vibe with us, and he can get a little prickly at times. And then I see him like in videos that Nebraska has shared recently. He's you know, he's vibing and he's getting into it in the dodgeball session that they're doing. Like, just like, what's it like to be around him on a daily basis? Like, what's it like to play for him? Yeah, I mean, that's everything that you just said. Like, that's Coach Fish, you know, um, the real relaxed guy. Um, you know, when it, when it's time to be relaxed and when it's, when it's uh, you know, outside of football, as soon as it's football, you know, he locks in and, you know, he's, he's going to grind you as a coach. Um, coming out of high school, you know, I, I was like, Man, I would I would love to go play for Coach Fisher because he recruited me out of high school. But now it's just like ultimately, I think, you know, um, the opportunity at Nebraska is just um, too big to pass on. So ended up coming to Nebraska and he ended up meeting me here. So that was I mean, that's the cool part about I tell people that all the time. But, um, you know, as a as a coach, if you want somebody to keep it real with you and, you know, regardless of what you think you are or, or what you may not be, he's going to keep it real with you. He's going to tell you, look, you're not this, or you are this, or, you know, you need to fix this, or you need to fix that, or, you know, the result's not going to be pretty. So, you know, um, every game going into every game, I was confident knowing that, you know, my coach wasn't selling me a dream. My coach was telling me exactly how it was going to be, you know, um, as long as I execute and just listen to him and executed the game plan. Um, and, you know, outside of that, some, sometimes we come into the office and it, and it's just football, you know, oh, I really got to get get this to you guys today. And sometimes we come into the office and, you know, if, if we checked all the boxes on everything that we need to to learn at, or everything that we need to get squared away, then, you know, he's he's playful Coach Fish again. He's, you know, he's running around telling jokes on guys, you know, um, pitting guys against each other so that way they can compete in something as simple as, you know, throwing some paper in a garbage can, you know, so – I mean, I love being around Coach Fish. He's just a great coach. And, you know, to this day, we still talk every day. And, you know, we, we just had that, that relationship. And, you know, that relationship is going to go on for forever. Tell me some personal stories. And I, I don't want you to get in trouble. So don't tell me anything that's going to get you in trouble. But, like, so like you say, on days where you don't got to come in and get football stuff done, where you can come in and Coach Fish can be like, oh, no, we're going to have a competition about who can, you know, hit as many bundles of paper into the trash can or something like that. Like, what are some, like, personal stories or some stories about you guys in the DB room or you hanging out with coaches or, or things like that, that, um, that, that you're going to remember when you kind of think back on these last however many years, let's, let's do some story time. Well, um, like a recurring theme always is like, you no know, coach Fish was fast in high school. So, 
No, he's all about speed. Like, he loves speed. When he sees speed in the DB, like, he just thinks that's the most beautiful thing ever. Guys that can really run. Like, if you can run, you can play for Coach Fish. He's going to coach you up to, you know, be technical and, you know, kind of put that with being able to run. But as long as you can run, you can play for Coach Fish. So he's always, like, you know, sprinkling a little, little salt here, salt there. Like, oh, who's the fastest DB in the room? And, you know, everybody's always talking and saying, oh, I'm the fastest, I'm the fastest. So um, for a while, he just kept kept bringing it up just like day after day. He just was like, oh, who the fastest in the room? I just want to know who the fastest in the room. And then I don't remember if it was spring practice or if it was like fall camp or something, but um, Coach Fish basically af after the practice, we usually have like a, a five more period. So you know, we take five minutes to really drill down something that that we need to uh, go over, really, really get down something. And I get, and I mean, I remember we had had a pretty good practice, and there wasn't anything that we really messed up on too much. So Coach Fish took the opportunity to have um, some fun. So he's kind of like start sprinkling that that again, like, okay, who's the fastest? Who's the fastest here? And so he starts saying, okay, I want to see, you know, I want to see guys race. So. He starts calling out people like, okay, you race against you, you race against you. And you can tell, like, at first it starts off with, like, the slowest DBs racing against each other, and then it's building up to, like, the fastest DBs racing up against each other. And I'm just, like, you know, I mean, if people that know me, I don't really, like, boast my speed. Like, I know I'm fast, so I don't feel like I have to go out of my way to tell you that I'm fast. By the way, I mean, uh, I, I just want to throw this in there. Pro day, y'all going to see a fast number. But, um... But, yeah, I, I'm not boastful about how fast I am. So I'm just kind of sitting back laughing with Coach Fish. And he looks at me and he's like, oh, you're not safe? Get on the line. And then I get on the line and then he's like, all right, we about to see who the fastest DB is right now. And then, you know, um, Deontay came on the line. He was like, Deontay, you versus Decap. And it was, it was going to be a short race. It was only the 10, 10 yards. So whoever had the fastest get off was going to win. Mm -hmm. And Coach Fish got us got us down, set, go. And then, you know, Deontay could tell you all the rest of the story. So, you know. Okay. We'll have to ask him <laughs> when we talk to him again. Put somebody on yeah. blast right now. Who's the slowest DB? Who's the slowest DB? Oh, that's a good question. Um, who's the slowest DB? I would say I would say Braxton Clark, but that's not true. But I would do that just to put him on blast. But uh, I'm gonna just go with that. I'm gonna go with Braxton Clark. Okay, I'll make sure to tell him that you said that. Yeah, make sure make sure you tell him I said it. I will. Sure. I will. What is the most random thing that turned into a competition for you guys? Uh, most random. Oh, most random thing. Okay. Um, a lot of people don't know, don't know this, but uh, when the dad first came in, um, the dad first came in and, you know, guys are trying to get to know him and stuff. And he's telling us all his hobbies and, you know, things that he likes to do. And one of the things that he likes to do is draw. So, um, you know, on, on the walls, they have like, like the walls are basically big dry erase boards in the mm -hmm. football offices. So the dad grabs a marker, he starts drawing and, you know, he's like, yeah, this, uh, he's like drawing animals, drawing people, all type of stuff. And we're just watching him just draw. And like, everybody's just like so amazed at like how well he can just draw just 
off of not even having a reference point, just drawing off of like like his the image in his head. Mm-hmm. So you know, we took it upon ourselves. We we see him drawing, and guys start grabbing markers and just start drawing. So like the whole wall is just filled up with a whole bunch of drawings and stuff. And you know, that's kind of like one thing that we turned into a competition because we had the coaches trying to figure out like who had the best drawing, whose drawing was the worst, all that type of stuff. So. Was this, cool. in, was this in a meeting room or did you guys do this in some coach's office? This was, this was in coach Fish's office. I would love, now I have a picture in my head of him not being in there and then walking in and seeing a bunch of animals on his wall and just like wondering what the hell is going on. Is that you what see is a bunch that? of animals in the room? This, he might not be in there and there's going to be a bunch of dogs in there. Um, who is the biggest trash talker on the field? Of the DBs, biggest trash talk on the field, Deontay Williams. That does not surprise me one bit. Deontay Williams, and sometimes you might, sometimes you might think like he's he's having a quiet day, but he's just waiting until you know he he does that one thing to where he can just explode, and then he explodes, and everybody's like, "Okay, Tay, like yeah, yeah, talk talk yourself up, like do your thing." So. No, Deontay Williams, definitely. I remember the one year Trey Neal was here. I think it was 2018, that first year that the staff was here. And, like, there were a handful of moments where Trey would get into it on the field. And, like, we could tell that, like, he had some stuff to say. And Aaron and I were always in the press box, like, let's go, Trey. Talk your (laughs) shit. Do it. Let's go. Are you a, a talker on the field or are you just, like, silent killer mentality i'm real i'm when i when i come out into the game i don't want nobody thinking like oh it's gonna be sweet so i don't really i don't talk too much when i come out into the game but as the game progresses um no i drop little gems in in like a receiver's ear so he might he might run a route and i'll have it covered and instead of you know just being all loud, I'll talk to him one on one. I'll tell him like, "Hey, hey, bro, good route." And now I'm in his head because, you know, it wasn't a good route, and I locked you down. But I'm telling you, that's a good route. So now he's like, "Oh man, I got a long day," or you know, um, I might tackle somebody and 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 get up and say something on my way up and just walk away. You know, just just I I just like to play the little mind games in receivers' heads. Okay. The 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 one on one between defensive backs and wide receivers are one of, to me, the most interesting one on one battles on a football field at any given time, because wide receivers, and I don't think any of them will get mad if I say this wide receivers tend to be prima donnas. They tend to be like hype guys and DBs are like, they're not prima donnas, but DBs are expressive. They're expressive when they know that they're playing well. Mm-hmm. What what's so my question to you is what is the the wildest one-on-one experience that you've had playing DB like has there been a, a wide out that's like been in your ear early before anything has happened and then you lock him down or pick off a pass or something like something like that like what's the wildest one-on-one experience or maybe one-on-one battle that kind of goes through a game that you've had okay um Probably the the wildest one that I could think of. Well, I well I could think of two two instances right now. Uh, one in practice and one in the game. So I'll give you the game example first. 
2017, playing Rutgers at home. I get into the game early, and I just kind of line up, and the receiver just start start yelling at me. Like I'm like, dude, <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. So the first play go by, he tries to touch me. I move out the way, and you know, I'm I'm young at this time, so I'm like, oh, what, like, what this dude got against me? Like I understand his football at the end of the day. I know that, but like, it, it, it just seems so personal. So I'm like, okay, he real passionate about football. That's cool. So the next play was a run play, and he came to try to grab me again, and I just kind of like slapped his hands out the way. He's talk, he's still talking trash. So they get down to into the red zone, and um, you know, he he goes to run around. He goes in the outside release, and I just jam him all the way to the sideline. He kind of like tries to hip toss me, but you know, um, I feel that type of stuff. So I kind of like keep my balance and you know I'm not really big so it's kind of hard to use my weight against me um but I just kind of like put push him out of bounds and I grab him and I look him in the face and he looked at me like he saw a ghost and I'm just laughing I'm like wow you're doing all that talking but you know you just got locked down so stop so I mean that that was like probably a, a wild one-on-one experience um in game that I had but uh the wildest one-on-one experience I had in practice for sure, um, not even just – it wasn't a one-day thing. It was a recurrent thing over and over and over again, me versus Stanley Morgan. Every day was like – every every day probably ended in a fight between me and Stanley. And I I, I love him for that because, you know, that's that's like real passionate. That's that's my guy. You know, that's just, that's just getting better at football every day. You know, um, he might beat me on a route, throw the ball at me. I'll lock him down, slap his helmet, you know, type of stuff like that. But um, I remember one time, um, before, one time before he left, uh, it was like a red zone period. And, you know, he was trying to get the ball, but I, I'm not going to lie, I grabbed him a little bit. And basically uh, he got mad, so he hit me, he hit me in the head. And I wasn't going for that. I'm like, you're not about to just hit me and try to walk away. So I go back and I grab his face mask. Now he has my face mask. Now we just grabbing each other's face mask, throwing blows like a hockey match and like like a hockey fight. And, you know, everybody's just watching. Nobody's trying to break it up. Nothing. Like, they're just like, oh, that's just decap and standing in the corner of the end zone. Practice went on and we were like, we broke from practice. We, we broke from that period and we were still fighting. And when I looked up, the defense was all the way on the other end of the of the uh, Hawks. So I'm like, all right, now I got to go all the way back down. So, no, we, we fought all the time, but, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have it any other way with him. You know, I, we fought on the field and in the locker room with his brothers. Stanley's got, if I remember correctly, Stanley's got some height on you, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah, that would have that that been like 2018, 2017 around then. So mm-hmm. I feel like that would be a good, a pretty good kind of learning experience. For you, I mean, that was sort of still sort of early on in your playing career, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, that was early on in my mm-hmm. playing career. Um, but yeah, every every rep that I could get against Stanley, I would take it. Every rep, I just love going against him because I knew I was going to get his best every rep. I would be remiss if I did not ask you about Cam Taylor Britt. Mm-hmm. I think I think. He's already one of the best DBs in the Big Ten heading into this upcoming season. Best mm-hmm. returning DBs. He's got a chance to be special. 
Um, what what makes him special? He's a he's a competitor too. He's he's a competitor, and uh, I mean, ultimately, past the past, just being a competitor, like that's mental. But physically, he's just you know, I mean, he's just physically gifted. You know, the guy can jump, um, has good speed, good size, great athleticism. Um, he has like hands the size of a gorilla. No, he's just like he's he's just gifted. He's just like I have no doubt when when you know when scouts see him, when people come to see him in person, they're they're gonna be pleased with what they see because he's just physically he's physically gifted, uh, stout. You know, just just he just has that gift. He's just born with with that with that ability. He born, he's born to pass the eye test. So you know, for him, basically, it's just gonna be go out go out there this year and dominate. Just just dominate. Just go and get your respect. He was a a summer arrival guy when he first got to Nebraska, so he didn't have spring ball to go through. Um, he played quarterback in high school, trying to get caught up in fall camp. What what were your what were some of your first impressions when you like first met him and started to get to know him? Um, no, I like I like Cam from day one. Uh, the first day when I met him, you know, uh, he are, like he came up, introduced himself. No, I knew he was. Um, no, and that's the thing about our DB room for sure. Like, you come into the DB room the moment you step foot in that, you know you're you're accepted. You know you're you're part of the you're part of the room. So now we're looking after you. The older guys gonna look after you, and the younger guys gonna gonna stick together. And you know that's how we rock. That's how we roll. We just a tight knit unit. We've always been that way. So him coming in. Um, early as a freshman, you know, he had he had a lot to learn about the position, and you know, he had a lot to learn um, on on defense, and you know, coming with the playbook, and then getting your feet right, your technique, um, you know, and just just kind of putting it all together. That can happen kind of kind of fast for a lot of people, but he did a good job catching on to it early. Um, you know, I just taught him I just taught him everything that I could, everything that I knew. I, I gave it to him. I just gave him the keys and. Um, not 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 to say that like I made him or anything because I didn't like he's he's a great player but uh, you know if I know something and you don't know it it's it's a disservice to the room so you know I just gave him I just told him everything I I knew and you know he he put his own twist on some things and some things he took it for what it was and you know now now he's out there he, he balling so mm-hmm. you know I I'm happy for him yeah he's he's got we we got a couple pictures of him with like the the extension where he's going for deflections or or whatever last year like athletic as hell um what about another guy maybe a wide receiver that you went against or saw a ton of in practice or another db like who are you maybe most excited on on an individual standpoint to watch in this upcoming season um uh, a guy that i like going against in practice last year and he had um some good games um, at receiver, made some good plays throughout the year. Xavier Betts, definitely. Um, I think I think when he puts it together, I think he's going to be a really good player. Uh, he's just real raw right now, and you know, I mean, he's a fr- he was a freshman, you know, um, he was a freshman, kind of getting thrown into the fire, just trying to figure it out, trying to trying to find his way. But you know, once he actually figures it out and and, and he gets going, like he's going to be hard to stop. He's just. You know, they're going to put some weight on him. I know he's going to get faster, stronger, bigger. 
all that. And then, you know, he's going to learn the playbook even more, have more confidence in his play. He's going to be a good player. I know we're still um, sort of early, like we talked about early in this process. What kind of feedback have you gotten from people about your game and how it will translate to the next level or kind of what you need to do sort of in, in these next few months to keep kind of building? What kind of feedback have you gotten? Um, I mean, for me, uh, I'm, I'm professional, you know, I'm, I'm making everything look, look the same. Like that was one of the biggest um, keys for Coach Fish to me this, this past year was just, you know, having my stance on play one be the same stance that I play with on play 70, you know, just being um, so professional that everything looks the same. I can do it over and over again. And just uh, you know, continue continue dominance, and don't get bored with being great. Don't get bored with you know perfection, because you know it's it's been times where I've been bored with with uh, doing it doing it great, and you know that one rep will happen, and then I'm like ah, you know I, I gave up that one rep because you know I'm 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 doing too much. I'm I'm trying to do too much. So you know, and that's that's always been the biggest thing for me, just being able to go back and watch myself on film has always helped me. And every year, I, I, you know, week one, I come out and I'm strong and I only get stronger as, a year, as, as the weeks go on. Each game, I only get better. So, um, you know, personally for me, I would just like to continue, continue working my craft, um, continue working everything, press coverage, off coverage, um, you know, working on my breaks, working on every, every factor of the game, whether I'm great at it or whether I'm bad at it. Um, you know, just just working on everything because I mean, nothing's ever going to be perfect. But you know, you could put yourself in some pretty good situations if you know what you're doing. So you know, just being a professional, really, just being a professional and finishing on the hard place. That was kind of going to be my next question: was what, what kind of goals do you have for maybe the next twelve months or, or next calendar year for you? Do you have any kind of like set in stone goals that you have that you are, are things that you want to accomplish? Yeah, definitely. Like. <laughs> I'm trying to contribute on a team. Like, you know, I'm just trying to go go to an organization and give them my all. No matter no matter how that looks, I'm just trying to, you know, be available for the team and stuff. Like, I'm a guy, I, I haven't missed any practices in my time in Nebraska. I haven't missed any games. I was always available. And that's just the biggest thing. Like, I just want to be available for whatever organization puts they trust in me. I remember talking to Lamar before, before and after last year's draft. And like, he just kept saying, like, I just want somebody to, to give me a chance because mm-hmm. I'm going to make the most of it. And like, he, he always believed that once he got that chance, he was going to make the most of it. And, and I mean, we saw what happened. Like he goes from undrafted guy to starter as a rookie. Um, mm-hmm. I think the same can, can happen for you. You're plenty talented and you should be able to do it. So yeah, uh, looking forward to kind of watching your path over these these next few months mm-hmm. so, um you probably got to get going so i'll let you get out of here thank you so much for doing this it's been awesome to catch up with you appreciate you well, uh pro day for nebraska is, is coming up um so i would assume that there will well, not assume there will be some dicaprio stories coming later this month um we'll be back next week with another podcast keep reading hillvarsity.com and i'll talk to you guys next week Hoda Media Production.